the glass and left corner to Aguila. Again to the left circle. Passing the yellow shot. Save made by all Aguila. Three bounds. Another shot. They score! The Flames win it! Yeah, baby! They score! And the sea of red erupts. Flames talk starts now on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Here's Pat Steinberg and Wes Gilbertson. Okay, let's get this hour going. We are underway on a Wednesday. It is December 20th. Flames Talk's underway this hour on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Can you tell it's getting close to Christmas? I'm wearing a hat. I'm stressed. Just means that uh, we're getting close. But the good news is Wes is feeling better, and that uh, that's more important than anything else. Welcome back to Wes Gilbertson. Thank you, buddy. We're worried about you. Little bout with the flu. I've heard it's nasty this year. I I do not recommend. Get your flu shots, friends. If you I, want, I if think you that's want, a good idea. If get you want to get your flu shot, I'm not telling you you have to. I got mine though. My arm only hurt for about two and a half days. Well, I was certainly wishing I got mine. It's good to have you back. I'm glad you're feeling better. It's good to be back. Um, well, because you uh, have not been here the last couple days, you wanted to talk a little bit about Jacob Markstrom, and uh, you get what you want. That's what we we like to make sure that we make our Flames Talk fan members help uh, happy. So let's talk a little Jacob Markstrom because for you and and you know just a, a little behind the curtains, um, you know Craig Conroy came in and and uh, sat down with me, you, uh, Eric Francis, and and Derek for a little bit in uh, the hot stove on on Wednesday after practice and one of the things you said to him was damn it's good to see Jacob Markstrom back above 900 because for you he's kind of one of the ultimate examples this year of maybe statistics not telling the whole story of how well a guy has played would that be a a fair way a fair way of characterizing your uh, your thoughts on Jacob Markstrom this year yeah absolutely i i've said at different points throughout this season, I, I think it's criminal that he doesn't have a winning record. And he doesn't yet. He's still one game below 500 in, in the win-loss column. You know, I, I wrote something for the post-media sites earlier today that you can find on either the Calgary Herald or Calgary Sun where I said, you know, even Ebenezer Scrooge thinks this guy deserves better numbers than he has this season. And, and I believe it. Like, the fact he just nudged over 900 with that terrific performance we saw Monday against the Florida Panthers, sort of makes you sit back and shake your head a little. Like, Jacob Markstrom has been so much better, so much more impactful for the Calgary Flames than those sort of baseline statistics would indicate. And I'm with you. I've been I've been very much on that same page for for most of the season. I think, I think all the season, in that I think that Jacob has gone a long way in correcting or eliminating some of the things that, that ailed him or plagued him last year. Last year was his worst ever season as a professional. I think he'd be the first to tell you that he's never had a year as frustrating as that. Statistically, since being a starter, he's never had a year like that. The the goals that went in on him early, some of the the softies that we saw go in on him, and some of the... You know, there, there were a lot of times where we got calls last season on our Flames Talk post game, and it was like, well, 
they're they're paying Jacob like a number one goalie. He's supposed to make stops that he's not supposed to make this the and 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 he's supposed to be one of those goalies who is able to steal games every once in a while. Well, I think he's a whole lot closer to that this season. And there are there are some numbers that that speak quite strongly to how well he's played and how much of an impact he's made on this team that don't necessarily just show up in wins, losses, raw goals against average, raw save percentage. I know that uh, you are, uh, you're diving in on some of them. I've d- dove in on some of them because I knew we were talking about this. It, it, it does go a whole lot deeper than just kind of the on the surface numbers. Yeah. And before we talk about the stats that we want to get into, let's just touch on something you brought up, which was, you know, being back to a a goalie that can sometimes steal you games. And I even look at it from the flip side of the coin. Like, would there be a game this season that you think Jacob Markstrom has cost them? Uh, no. Like, and and there were probably a few last year that you're like, you really needed a stop on, on that one or a couple stops on those ones. I have, I, I cannot remember feeling that way this year. I think there have been nights where he's been better as opposed to, so, some of the other games, I think there's sure. been games where you've been like, yeah, had they gotten uh, some 900 goaltending in that game, maybe they they would have won. But I've never felt like, oh, geez, 25 was a big culprit in terms of why they lost this game. Yeah, there were there were nights last season where whether it was just the volume of goals or specifically the timing of goals and and, and just sort of the nature of them, you know. I always call them groaners. Like there, there were yeah. nights last year where a bad goal at a bad time cost the Flames a game. And certainly, I wrote on more than one occasion last season. You know, pressing send towards midnight. Here's a game that Jacob Markstrom let the Calgary Flames down. And I, I, I haven't personally had to write that storyline this season. I don't think there's been a night that you can mm-hmm. pin on Jacob Markstrom. And and so to loop back to where you were starting to lead us in the first place. You know, the, the number that, uh, that you were talking about, I, I know you and Vix have talked about in the last couple of days, but you know, when you really shine a spotlight on that high danger save percentage, I think it speaks volumes to what Jacob Marstrom has meant to this Calgary flames team. And, you know, depending on how you sort it, whether you go all strengths, even strength, whatever, you know, if you start at all strengths, according to natural stat trick, mm-hmm. Jacob Markstrom has a eight, five, five save percentage on high danger opportunities. And that might not sound like much to, to your ear as you hear it, but the league average is seven, nine, five. Yeah. So we're talking about 60 points above the league average in that situation. We're talking about, a handful of regular net miners that have turned aside more of those high danger opportunities. If, if you sort it even further, or boil it down to just five on five, I believe he's eight seventy three. Yep, like that. That really tells you a lot. And, and so I just called it up in front of me here. Like if you go all, sorry, this is a five on five number from last season. So let me find it again here. Would you like me to? Would you like me to I think it? last season he was eight one six on those high danger opportunities, and we're talking about a guy last season. And my apologies for the delay; I'm still a little slow here. We were talking about a guy last season who was giving up too many goals on non high danger scoring opportunities. But the fact that his high danger numbers are so impressive 
that speaks to the way he's bailed out this team. That speaks to the stability he's given them through that switch and to his own want, defense. He was actually at five on five last year. His high danger save percentage uh, was 798, Oof. which was 68th overall. Uh, and, and that's 68th overall minimum 400 minutes played, uh, this year he's seventh at 873 with a high danger save percentage, uh, uh right now. So seventh at 873 compared to 68th at 798. And that's, that's just at five on five. When you start to look at, you know, the, uh, some of the others, when you take a look at the all strengths, he's right there as well. Uh, all strengths, high danger, save percentage. Markstrom uh, sits eighth with an 850. Um, he's he's real at at even strength when you count in all even strength, which also includes four on four and three on three. He's looking at a 871, which is fourth overall. So we're talking about fourth overall, seventh overall, eighth overall, depending on how you're looking at it. The, those are strong numbers. He is. He is stopping well above the average of the quote-unquote shots he shouldn't save. And that's, that's impressive. Those, those are the things that you need from a number one goalie. Yeah, a- absolutely. And that's what you expected out of Jacob Markstrom until last season, right? And, and I think it illustrates, you know, you go talk to anyone. I chatted with Elias Lindholm about Jacob Markstrom. I, I've chatted with various teammates over the oh, past. Lindholm's biased. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> you talk to any guys and they'll tell you that he is the most demanding of himself. I, I got a laugh even of his post game the other night when, you know, someone finally says, you're kind of like selling yourself short here. And he just said, well, what do you want me to do? Brag about myself? Yeah. But the the sort of other side of that equation for Jacob Markstrom is that when things started to go poorly last year, I think, and, and I'm sure even now he might admit it to you. He was way too hard on himself Mm -hmm. and it snowballed on him. Right. You know, as flames goalie coach, Jason LaBarbera put it to me, most goalies to get to this level, you have to be your own hardest critic, but Jacob's like really, really, really hard on himself. And he wore it last year. But I think, you know, give credit where it's due, sitting here on December the 20th, I'd still say he's been the most consistent performer for the Calgary Flames through the season. And yes, you could make a case for Nazem Kadri, and you could make a case for Blake Coleman, and you could make a case for Mackenzie Weaker. And, you know, others out there might have other ideas to throw in. Connor Zary, certainly, since he was recalled from the Wranglers. But if I'm casting a vote on the most consistent Flames so far this season... It's Jacob Markstrom for me. Um, just a few other numbers, which I think put in, because high danger save percentage is, is part of the conversation. It's not the only thing because you also, you also want to be stopping the low danger shots and you want to be stopping the outside shots and all those types of things. But, but a few other things that has, has Jacob been a Vesna trophy quality goaltender this year? No, I don't think we're talking about that. No, I wouldn't say that either. But I think we're talking about him giving them very solid number one minutes 
uh, that you can look at and say, yeah, you're comfortable each and every time he goes in there that he's going to give you a chance to win. Over at Money Puck, uh, he is at 4.4 goals saved above expected, which is 22nd overall. Evolving Hockey has him at 7.1 goals above replacement, which is tied for 20th overall. So these are areas that I think you're far more comfortable with Jacob being in as opposed to where he was in the 60s and 70s last year in a lot of these categories in the worst year of his career. The same way, I think that we all, after the the Vesna Trophy year where he was second in Vesna voting, I think we all were like, well, it's probably not going to ever be quite that good. That's probably the high water mark. Sure. Well, last year was clearly the low water mark for Jacob, and and this year we're starting to see him get back to being a, a little bit more like the not average Jacob Markstrom, but like the the career average Jacob Markstrom, and that he is the goalie that. He's been a goalie who can take on a workload, a number one workload, a goalie who can give you an opportunity to win on a night in night out basis. He's been that guy. And, and that to me is one of the more significant stories of the year. I think as Calgary's team game continues to improve and assuming, and I think it's a fair assumption, assuming that Jacob continues to be at this level, then I think that the overall numbers are going to start to climb and we'll see him closer to his, 9-12 career average when it's all said and done at the end of the year. And NHL save percentages, it feels like a lot of the goalies that we're used to having high save percentages have dropped. You know, there's still some really, really high numbers out there. But I do think that over the last few years, we've seen some save percentage numbers overall as a league drop as well. So I think if Jacob can get back to that 9-10 range, you can call this a really successful season because 9-10 is what you're kind of hoping and or not hoping for. That's what you're expecting from Jacob on a year-in, year-out basis. But we're not even halfway through his season yet, and it's good to see him back over 900. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, the next step is he's got a 7-8-2, sorry, 7 eight and two win loss record yep. right now. So the next step is back to 500 for him and, and obviously looking to, to get above that. But I, I just think he deserves a lot more credit than the stats would suggest. I think it's fair to wonder, you know, he misses seven games with that broken finger. I think it's fair to wonder if the flames who were generally proud of the way they performed during that stretch, mm-hmm. come through it with better than a two, three and two record. If they do have Jacob Markson, right? Do, do they win that game in Colorado if they have their number one netminder between the pipes? Do they, you know, do they fritter it away in that four-minute stretch the way they did? I, I'm not sure. As much as I liked Dustin Wolf's performance the next night in Vegas, do they wind up losing that game if they have their star goalie between the pipes that night? I, I'm not sure that they do. And and there might be some people listening saying, yeah, the, the outcome in those games doesn't change. Well, yeah. maybe it doesn't, but I... I do think it speaks to what Jacob Markstrom has given them this season. I, I do think for all the beating he took on this station and in what I wrote and on the text line last season, we're talking about a guy who has been so much better than his stats suggest this year. Uh, a few texts on Jacob. This says, I sat directly behind him for two periods on Monday, and it was like night and day from last year. And Mike says, guys, NHL save percentages dropped drastically from just six, seven years ago. Markstrom would probably be at 915 if this was 2016. For the team specifically, goaltending has probably been the best aspect about the team this season. 
Uh, this says, still feels like Markstrom lets in too many soft goals. Do you know where he ranks on low danger chances? We can pull that up for you. Um, this says, I'm curious, if Markstrom's top 10 in the categories you mentioned, yet his overall numbers are not very good, what are the categories in which he has struggled? And I do think that that's an area that I kind of pointed to. Now the this next step is you want to get the, the medium danger and the low danger save percentage up a little bit. Now those can be... Um, those, those can be a little skewed with tip shots and stuff like that, but it is an area that I do think there have been a few times this year where outside shots that are clean do get by him. But I, I do think one thing that I would point to when it comes to Jacob is that I felt more like you've had to beat him than he's given them to you this year. And that to me is a big difference. Like there were, I don't know how many squeakers this there's been or groaners. Like there may have been some this year where you're like, ah, yeah, you could have gotten a save there. Right. But you have to beat them. And, and I think that that's even, even last year, there were lots of outside shots or point shots that would squeak through them or that you'd be like, I, did he, did he even move on that? Yeah. Whereas now positionally, it feels like if you're going to beat him from the outside, you have to pick your spot and, and you have to put it in a very specific spot. And that doesn't mean that there's not room for improvement. I just feel perception wise, that's been a big part of it too. Yeah, and, and and I can only think of one off the top of my head where it's like the old kind of check the webbing on your glove, like it nicks off the end of your fingers and trickles across the line. Listen, you're you're always going to have some. But last season, I would say surrendering bad goals was a habit for Jacob Markstrom. And that's certainly not the case. The one thing, uh, uh, just a couple kind of responses to the text line for, yeah. for starters on the first one. I, I hope that texter was sitting behind Jacob Markstrom for the second and third period the other night, that it, that the 40 minutes wasn't just a departing early because you missed a hell of a third period if you... Uh, well, I think it's because they switched sides. Oh, so he got yeah, the first yeah, and the third. okay, I got that now. Uh, the other thing I would say, you know, when you're talking about what what's he lacking in, I think it also points to a Calgary Flames team that before they were comfortable we're giving up a lot of high danger yeah. chances, right? That that doesn't become even across the board with other goalies because a lot of teams or some teams are giving up a lot more of those scenarios yeah. than others. I, th- I think Jacob Markstrom's play is so encouraging as the Flames really reel that in. We've seen them play much better defensive hockey of late. And so if their goalie is giving them those big stops in those key situations, it makes a big difference. Yep. Uh, and I, I, you have seen a significant change. I think the Florida game is a perfect example of yeah. even how they've been able to limit really high-quality chances against much better uh, since the first month or so of the season. As I recover from the flu, please forgive me that I forgot teams switch ends every <laughs> periodically. No, I'm, I'm sharp here. Those are the things that go over my head I, most I of the time. I am sharp. So. I'm dialed right in. Um, okay, so you wanted to talk about Jacob Markstrom. I wanted to talk just a little bit about Nazem Kadri today because I, I've... I've really had a uh, an appreciation for 
the way that he has played this year. And it's funny. So he's got 21 points in 23 games since November 1st. That leads the team. Uh, November 1st is when Connor Zary made his debut, and he's been on a line with Kadri. Basically, there's been a couple of exceptions, but basically, wire to wire, they've been on the same line together. And November 1st is when offensively things started to turn the corner for Nazem. Uh, so he leads the team with 21 points in 23 games since November 1st. And, you know, remember in October, there was a lot of talk about how things were not going for him. And remember how unworried Nazim seemed about it. And there were even some who were getting frustrated by the fact that, you know, Kadri wasn't quote unquote taking responsibility. And, um, you know, he was like, no, no, I'm, it's fine. I like the way I'm playing. It's going to come. The chances are there. I feel like my game's good. What I'm seeing on video is good. And it's going to be fine was basically the refrain from Nazim through October. And it feels like that, is exactly what we're seeing right now. And and I remember, it's funny because you got, I remember vividly at the Heritage Classic in Edmonton postgame, he scored the goal. And I remember you were trying to ask him a question and it was a really large media scrum and you got cut off. That's just what happens in those larger media scrums postgame. And you were going to ask him, I heard you say it in my ear. I was, Wes was about to ask him if, scoring that goal, you felt like that was something you could really use to, to springboard you. And he didn't get an opportunity to answer because the, the availability ended. But I, I was thinking the same thing. I wonder what that goal with Kadri going hard to the net, getting a redirect, you saw the way that it reacted. He was kind of like, finally one went in for me, for me. That was right at the end of October. And you're thinking to yourself, I wonder if that could be something that could start to get the ball rolling positive for him. But I give him credit. I, I, I asked him about it after practice on Wednesday, about the way his season's gone and, and him sticking with it. And give Nazem credit. He doesn't feel much different now than he felt when things weren't going for him earlier. Do you feel like your individual game has, has evolved and progressed throughout the year, or does it feel like you're doing the same things now that mm. you were in October too? feels like I'm doing the exact same thing. You know, I try to uh, approach each game the same, really. Um you know, regardless, try to, you know, rise to the occasion and rise to the challenge every single game. And, you know, that's that's definitely, uh, you know, a chore in itself and, and not easy to do. But, uh, yeah, I felt, feel like I'm having, you know, feel great this year. And I just want to continue to, to, to try to get better. But, you know, you have certain foundational things you always, you know, go to. And, you know, I, uh, it's nice to have some success lately. This is kind of what you were talking about in October. You're like, yeah, it's going to come, it's going to come. And, and now it is mm-hmm. to go for it. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I've seen that, you know, a lot of times throughout my career, just sometimes you feel like you're doing the right things and, uh, you know, just not, not getting the results for it, you know, based on production and being on the score sheet. You know, sometimes that can get frustrating because you want to be there for your team producing and, um, you know, but, you know, I think you know, I have to maintain a level of patience and, uh, you know, understand the process and that's, uh, that's what I'm used to doing. Really? I, I give him credit. He's been able to he's been able to turn that narrative very, very dramatically. And he is the the, the offense has come at the rate that we were uh, expecting. And it's it's funny. I I I, uh, I remember having pregame chats with Mick Megan Mickelson, and and I remember her and I diving in on on some of the um, some of the high danger numbers and like, even when things weren't going, I remember talking on this show or Mick diving in on some of the, the, uh, the, the slot opportunities. And he was still leading the team in high danger chances over at natural Statric, And he was still leading the team in shot attempts, but it wasn't going, it wasn't going, it wasn't going. And, and 
I was a little worried that the the frustration of it not happening would start to turn the tide poorly. Instead, it's gone the other way, and he's he's really punched back, and those numbers have started to catch up to what was happening earlier. And I give him credit. He just he stuck with it. And and I honestly I don't think it was an act with him. I don't think it was him faking it to make it. I don't think it was him being, ah, I'm fine. I actually think he's got enough experience. He's had enough success. He's played in enough fishbowls that he really was okay with, yeah, it's not coming right now, but I'm confident in my game and it's it's going to come around. And I, I don't think it was an act either, but I do think it, it was a polite pushback to what the narrative in this city was at that point, because whether it was you and I talking, you know, whether it was the bar stool or, or around the water cooler, Nazem Kadri was, at least from my vantage point, the most criticized Calgary Flame during that slow start to the season, right? Here's a guy who had only one assist for the longest time. Here's a guy who just wasn't putting numbers on the board. Here's a guy who, before that goal in the Heritage Classic, was singled out for suggesting those god-awful outfits that they arrived in at Commonwealth Stadium. Hey, like, there, hey, there was, hey, a, there hey. was a lot... Work- Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. <laughs> there was a lot working against Nazem Kadri, And when he, was, when he was saying that, I think part of it was a little bit of a pushback. Like, okay, hang on here. Let's just see how this pans out and full marks to him. He, he has silenced the critics in the most positive way because all he's done since the start of November, all he's done since Connor Zeri was recalled, which is part of it, but Nazem Kadri is not producing just because he has Connor Zeri on his wing. Their click has been a key to both of their success, but Nazem Kadri has been such an important piece for this Flames team and the way he's sort of flipped the page after that slow start has been as big a key to their recent success as anything. And and I know people are are thinking recent success that you know they they're, they're still outside a playoff spot and they're still below 500. Well, without the two guys we've talked about in in this hour. Yep. I can't even imagine. Well, and over at Evolving Hockey, uh two leaders on the team in Goals above replacement and wins above replacement for skaters. Nazem Kadri and Connor Zeri is actually number one right now. And and it just speaks to how much of a shot in the arm Zeri's given this offense. It, it, Remarkable. It's it's given them a line that with no disrespect to the backland line that has, you know, we know what they're capable of with, with Coleman and, and even Huberdeau's defensive game. I know the numbers aren't there, but that line, you know that they are going to be a responsible line that they're not going to hurt you. And they're going to help you, especially at the defensive end. And the Lindholm line's kind of been hit or hit or miss, but it feels like every night, you know, that the Kadri line with Pospisil and Zeri is going to give you a chance to generate offense. And when they have a poor game, it's noticeable because you're not used to it. Yeah. You're not used to that. And I, I even think back to the Florida game and that goal 
Pospisil scores. Was it a softie on Stolarz? Yes, absolutely. I don't know what he was doing. But that doesn't happen. If Kadri doesn't make another ridiculous bank pass out of his own zone, he saw Pospisil out of the corner of his eye and hit him perfectly with a with a nice pool cue shot. And, and there's Pospisil turning the Jets on, gets a little bit of an angle, and he scores on it. And, and that's, that's the type of line this trio has turned into, one that you can bank on most nights to give you a, a few really dangerous forays in the offensive zone. Yeah, and every time you talk to Nazem Kadri, you get a sense of, of what he said to you, and that's it's tough to do it every night in this league. I pride myself on bringing that consistency to the table, and, and you can tell these days he takes a lot of pride in trying to squeeze that consistency out of the two rookies he's playing with in Connor Zary and Martin Pospisil. He's on those guys in a good way to not kind of rest on what they've done so far. And I think, you know, in Pospisil's case, there was definitely a little bit of a dip. In, in Connor Zary's case, I'd say lesser so, but around the time that he was injured, he wasn't quite the the same player, not as impactful. And I do believe that it's Nazem Kadri who's helped kind of bump them back up again. Yep. I uh, I give him a lot of credit, and I um, Matt and Cochran writes in who's going to represent the Flames at the All Star Game. I think it's Kadri right now is almost penned in. I would suggest now there's still time, but we're approaching what two weeks, three weeks until they make those announcements. Right. So if I, it if it wasn't Kadri, who would it be? Maybe Mackenzie Weger. Weger, I'd I'd like to see Blake Coleman go. People at the All-Star game would love having Coleman down there. People yeah. would love it. Like, oh, my God, this guy's an unbelievable interview. Like, the, the other <laughs> run, they'd be like, who is this guy? Um, I'd say Markstrom, but I think the I think Aiden Hill and Thatcher Demko are pretty dialed as yeah. the goalies for the Pacific. Yeah, so. I'd say that's pretty safe Although, aren't they doing it differently? Oh, no, now they're, 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 I don't know how they're doing it. When they're, they're picking teams or some. BS. This, I, I think know. they'll still go with the same representatives per division. Is it still going to be three on three? Yeah, good question. I got to tell I you, know. I, I feel like I'm pretty dialed on what's happening in the NHL. I could not tell you who has won an all-star game, who has played well at an all-star game. Yeah. What the format. What, I, I honestly, I, I remember John Scott. That's the last memory I have of an all-star game because I'm never here. I do not pay attention. I do not care. Well, the reality is... Does that make me a bad Flamestock fan member that I just do not care? The reality is, for you and I, it's it's one hockey game a season that we don't have to pay attention it's to. It's true. And so... And I really, really don't. I remember my reaction a few years ago when I uh, checked my phone and said something along the lines of, uh, bleep. I should probably write a story because Johnny just won MVP of the All-Star game. Didn't see it. I don't even remember that. <laughs> I honestly don't. Uh, he's Wes. I'm Pat. We're underway this hour of Flames Talk. Hey, whether you're a fan of sports or a fan of great deals, our friends at 403 Local, they're the place to be. Every time the local hockey heroes hit the ice, you're getting two beers and a pizza on the game day special for just $20. On Sundays, you can watch football all day, 50-cent wings and happy hour all day with wings also on Wednesdays. Monday, it's dry ribs, just $5 
$2 a pound. They also have daily happy hour from 3 till 6. Lunch specials weekdays from 11.30 till 2.30. Plus, 403 locals available for private functions. Visit 403 local in Lake Bonavista and at 403local.com. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's Hockey Station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. For your daily Flames roundtable on this Wednesday Flames Talk, it's brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson of Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our daily Flames roundtable. Gents, um, was thinking about this because I, 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 I'm not as, um, I'm not as definitive on this first topic as, you know, I usually would be in other seasons or other circumstances. Uh, but right now the flames are sixth overall in the NHL with 520 block shots on the season. Um, I'm curious, do we see number six overall in block shots as a good thing or a bad thing when we talk about what it means for the Flames? Well, I think it's a little bit of both, to be quite honest. I mean, ideally, you spend less time defending and in turn have to block less shots. But I also think that uh, a team that is willing to pay the price and block shots, those teams tend to have success when the games get hard later in the regular season and, and certainly into the Stanley Cup playoffs. And if you don't have a, enough players who are willing to put themselves in a position to block a shot and potentially get hurt doing so, then chances are you probably don't have the, the right players in your team and aren't going to make a long playoff run. So I, I think it's a little bit of both, Pat. I think in a perfect world, you wouldn't uh, be defending so much that you had to, to be amongst the league leaders in block shots. But I also think that if you don't have players who are willing to, to do that dirty job, then you probably don't have the type of team that's going to make any noise come to the playoffs. Yeah, I would say it's a little bit of a result as well of the new defensive system the Calgary Flames want to play. Like you hear them talk a lot. If you're if you're going to play that zone style, a big key in making that successful is fronting pucks. And you hear guys talk about it all the time. And so the fact that they are taking, I suppose, advantage of those opportunities when they're in the lanes to help their goalies out. You know, nobody is a better example of it than Chris Tanev, but the fact that this has been a, sort of a team-wide thing to be sacrificing their body in, in front of as much rubber as they have, I, I think speaks to what can be a strength of, of that system. You know, it, it puts now that traffic if you talk to a goalie, isn't always a great thing. It can make it a little tough to pick up the shot through all those shin pads, but they are trying to front those shots, and I'd say, especially of late, they're doing a pretty darn good job of it. You know, if this was, um, for instance, like the the 2014-15 season, right, and and the Flames blocked a lot of shots that year, that's the year that Chris Russell set the... uh, all-time lead or, or the all-time record for block shots in a single game, which he still owns at 15. And um, and and that's the year that, that Lou and I got in that big heated debate about Chris Russell and good or bad. You know, that year, guys, I would have been like, 
absolutely it's a bad thing. You're blocking too many shots, and yeah, it's helping you win games, but long-term you can't. This year, I, I really do think it's a little bit different, you know, and, and Wes, to, to your point about the, the new defensive system, I think that is very, very uh, apt. And, and Wilsey, when you're talking about the ability to pay the price, this is one of the rare times, and, and I've got statistics to back it up, so this is one of the rare times where I, I actually would kind of lean towards, you know, Flames are maybe just pretty good at positionally being able to do this. And I think it starts with Chris Tanev, who we've all been raving about since his 10 block shots on Monday. But I actually think maybe the Flames are, this actually is a decent indicator that the Flames are well positioned and have been getting better in this respect defensively. Because I go take a look. First of all, they are a top 10 five-on-five possession teams uh, via team via shot rate in terms of shot attempts for and shot attempts against. And, and this is the one that I think is really important. So they are sixth when it comes to block shots, but they're also one of the best teams and they're a top half team when it comes to shot attempts against per 60 at five-on-five. Five. And to me, that shows that they're still doing a nice job limiting attempts but they're also blocking a good ratio of the attempts that are coming at them. And you know what, Wilsey? That I'm okay with. That, that I'm not going to sit here and be critical of because if you're doing a nice job limiting the amount of pucks towards the net and then you're also blocking a good chunk of them, yeah, that, that to me shows that, that maybe you're just playing some much better positionally sound hockey and some strong positionally sound hockey. So... I'll take it more as a positive, honestly, than than I would in other circumstances. Yeah, that's fair. And when you think about that 2014-2015 season, that was a, a younger group uh, of players, at least core players. You had uh, Sean Monahan in his second season, Johnny Gaudreau in his first season. Uh, and that team, I think, didn't really do a very good job managing the puck. There were a lot of turnovers and even Chris Russell, uh, some self-inflicted wounds, I would say, uh, where he had to basically bail himself out or his partner, Dennis Weidman, out. Going into this season, when Ryan Huska talked about changing how the team played in the defensive zone from man-on-man to zone, he did say, I expect us to spend some more time in the defensive zone, but I also expect us to give up fewer high-danger scoring chances. Because the Flames were one of the top possession teams in the league under Daryl Sutter and didn't give up a ton of shots on goal. But over the, not two years ago, because they were a really good team, but last season, even though they didn't give up many shots, when they did, quite often those were grade A chances. And I think it's one of the reasons why both Jacob Markstrom and Dan Vladar, their save percentages plummeted last season because they weren't facing a lot of rubber. But when they did... Uh, a lot of great A chances again. So I think it was something that we probably expected from the Flames this season. And, and I'd be curious to look at the splits from October and then from November on. I bet you they're probably spending a lot less uh, time in the defensive zone and giving up fewer high-end chances because they've got that new way of playing in the D zone figured out when in October it, it certainly looked like a work in progress. If I can just add one thing to the blocked shots just conversation. Do that. Let me just, uh, I'm, I'm going to go pull up those numbers for Wilsey. See okay. If, see, I, if I can, see if I can help him out. I just want to spread around the credit a little bit because Chris Tanev, 
certainly sort of leads the shot blocking parade, but I do think it's fascinating that in three more games, albeit, but Mackenzie Weger actually leads this team in block shots right now with 79. You've got Chris Tanev fresh off a 10 spot the other night with 75. And then you've got Rasmus Anderson with 74. So those are three guys because I think everyone thinks of Tanev when we talk block shots and, and rightfully so, but I just wanted to give credit to those other two guys because they're eating a whole lot of rubber this season too. Uh, and uh, the Flames are still sixth in block shots since November 1st. So I guess oh, they've, just, they've just been, but again, they've done a nice job of limiting shot, shot attempts against too. So I don't, uh, I don't mind that when you're blocking a lot of shots and you're not limiting and you're not giving up a lot of attempts rather. It's not like they're just, it's a shooting gallery and that's why they have so many block shots. Uh, it is our daily flames round table. Derek Wills with Wes Gilbertson. And my name is Pat Steinberg. Gents, um, you know, we talk a lot about the high profile unrestricted free agency, like the uh, agents rather. We've, we've talked a lot about the, the big five Toffoli and Zadorov are now no longer here. And now there's that, that big three of Hannafin, Tanev and Lindholm. But there, there's also a couple of other, unrestricted free agents that I think are very interesting. One of them is A.J. Greer, who I think is a fascinating conversation between now and the trade deadline. But I want to ask you about another defenseman because Dennis Gilbert is also a pending unrestricted free agent at the end of the year, and he's had himself a really nice run here. And, and for the first time really ever in his NHL career, he started to establish himself as a everyday in-the-lineup regular and and I know that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's going to stay and who's going to go. But if you had to make a decision, knowing everything you know right now and without knowing what's going to happen in the future, on December 20th, would you be signing Dennis Gilbert to a new contract uh, today? Oh, I love these hypotheticals. Uh, That's why I say I mean, no hypotheticals. Just on everything we know right now, Would you? and, and he said, hey, I'd like to sign and give you a, a, a fair contract. That he's like, I'm willing to sign that. Would you sign off on it too if you're the Flames? Uh, sure. I, I mean, I would give him a one or two year contract at pretty close to league minimum. That's what I would sign off on today. Uh, just because I'd like to get a little bit bigger sample size with Dennis Gilbert and I'd like to have uh, a better idea of what direction this team is going in i mean dennis gilbert has kind of been a bubble guy for a number of years now and he's established himself at least uh, with the flames this season as a guy who is in the nhl and will likely be here for the rest of the season but you know, i think you could argue that on bender he would be a six or seven or eight uh, on a lot of teams that that believe that they have a chance to win the championship so um, I guess it de depends on what direction the Flames are going in and on what Dennis Gilbert would be looking for as far as uh, term and dollars. So it, it's hard for me to answer the question not knowing uh, what Dennis Gilbert and his camp would want and on where the Flames are headed. But I like him as a player. He's, uh, I think, a, a good number five or six guy on this team. Would he be on a legitimate Stanley Cup contender? I think that's probably... Uh, a different conversation, potentially at least. But, you know, he's uh, a good teammate, 
Uh, he's handled playing well. He's handled not playing well. Uh, he adds some toughness to a team that doesn't have a lot of that. So I would have no issues with the Flames keeping Dennis Gilbert around. Uh, I guess the, the questions I would have, what direction is this team going in? Where do they see Dennis Gilbert fitting in, depending on what direction they're going in? And, and what does Gilbert want? The short answer for me is that, yes, if Dennis Gilbert is interested, you know, if, if he were to tell the Flames, hey, I, I'd like to stick around, then I, I think there's a fit because the direction that I see the Flames going and that I think, you know, the most likely direction is a retool or rebuild or, or whatever you want to call it. And, yeah, I know they're hovering around 500. They're not far out of the wild card race, but the upcoming contract statuses are, are going to force them into some sort of retool, whatever that looks like. And I think Dennis Gilbert is the kind of competitor that can really be an asset through that stretch. Would he be in the lineup on every defense core in the NHL? No, I don't think he would. But Dennis Gilbert is the kind of guy who's never going to cheat you on effort who's going to provide some sort of oomph physically to your back end. And I think that sort of guy can be really valuable. I'll, I'll be the first to admit that when the Calgary Flames two summers ago gave Dennis Gilbert a one-way contract in free agency, I was a little bit taken aback. I, I didn't understand how a guy with such limited ice time, with such limited games played at the NHL level got a one-way deal as a free agent, but he's he's been a nice addition to a team that's needed depth on the blue line more often than not. And, you know, a cool milestone for him as soon as tomorrow in Anaheim, he'll match his career high in games played in a season at the NHL level. I think there's value there. And, and the only thing that I'll add is that I think other teams are going to see value there too. And I don't think you're going to get a knock-your-socks-off trade offer for Dennis Gilbert, but... A guy who's making 775000 at the NHL level, who brings toughness, who can add depth and, and be serviceable when you need him. We've, we see contenders start to figure out, okay, well, who's our eighth and our ninth defenseman for a deep playoff run? Because that's when that attrition really starts to hit you. If I was one of those contenders, Dennis Gilbert might be on the list of guys I'd target, hoping you're never going to need him, but wanting him on your roster just in case. I uh so uh, uh, guys I'll, I'll play the uh I'll play the role of Dennis Gilbert's father on this one. Like I I'll I'm just, I just finished um making my Dennis Gilbert flag and I'm going to I'm going to start waving it cuz I I wouldn't hesitate because and I'd give him a little bit of a raise. He's uh been at a cap it of uh because the the dollar figure has fluctuated actual dollars he's been at a cap it of 7625. So, yeah, I'd bump him to 850 or 9 on a two-year deal one way all day every day today and and here's why because I'm fine putting that in the American League, and the Flames have been fine putting one-way deals in the American League. We've seen it with Osterley. We've seen it with other players who, Kevin Rooney, like we've seen guys put in the American League for long stretches of time on, on one-way deals. So I don't think they would worry about that if all of a sudden that was the way it was going to go. I don't think both of Hannafin and Tanev are going to be here beyond the deadline. Maybe one, but I don't think both of them. So they're going to need defensemen. And whether he is your seven 
whether he is in your third pair or whether he's playing in the American League, the type of character, the work ethic, just the, the overall willingness to do whatever it takes and and he is if he's getting bag skated he's working his ass off if he's in games yeah he's not perfect but you never worry about the compete level and you never worry about the work ethic and and Willsey one of the things you've brought up that that has really resonated with me over the last few months is just his willingness to stick up for teammates. They don't have a lot of those guys. And Gilbert is always one of the first guys to answer bells if, if that's what's needed. And so I add that as another check mark. So guys, I would not hesitate. I would be signing that guy right if again, I'm you don't have to, but just in this scenario that I made up for this conversation. Yeah, I would. I would I would absolutely sign him. And so if we're four months, five months from now, and the season's at an end, and they're having the conversation, and the Gilbert story is played out the same way it's playing out right now, where he's playing some really good hockey, then I'd be the exact same case. I, I, I really I don't see a downside on it as we're sitting here right now on December 20th. I really don't. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hesitate to give him a two-year extension at 850 per, but maybe he wants more than that both as far as money and term. Who knows? Um, right now, I would say he's their number five defenseman. Now, that could change if Oliver Shillington comes back and pushes him down the depth chart, although he probably becomes your number six at that point. Uh, or if you trade one or more guys. Uh, of course, Noah Hannafin and Chris Tanev are pending UFAs and could be moved before the trade deadline in March. Uh, and then maybe he plays in your top four if, if Shillington doesn't come back. So uh, right now, I think paying uh, a third-pairing defenseman, who worst-case scenario is probably your seven. And let's say the Flames suddenly become more competitive and decide to add to their group. I guess worst, worst-case scenario would be you send them down to the Calgary Wranglers and he becomes uh, an important player, uh, not only – uh, to try to help your AHL team win, but also to continue to develop players because I do think that Dennis Gilbert is a really good teammate. Uh, I just don't see a lot of downside there. And uh, to your point, the Flames have been willing to pay guys NHL money to play in AHL to help with that development process, to help keep their, their AHL affiliate competitive, which I do think aids in development, but also as an insurance policy if you need guys at the NHL level. Most NHL teams have guys getting paid uh, on one-way contracts in the AHL, and sometimes you need them, sometimes you don't. But uh, in the Flames' case, they've had uh, to reach down there and, and bring guys like him and Jordan Osterley up. Uh, so, yeah, a two-year deal at 850 per, I, I certainly wouldn't complain about that. Uh, hey, I, I make up these scenarios because it gives us something to – obviously they won't. There's no de- December 20th deadline to make this decision, but I make up these scenarios sure. so we have some uh, some fodder on a round table on December 20th. Um, it's I good do, fodder. I, I really, the A.J. Greer one fascinates me. Uh, we can maybe uh, save that for another day uh, a little bit later on. Now, for now, uh, thank you, Wilsey. We will uh, do it on a game day on Thursday. Thank you, pal. 
Okay, guys. Have a good night. He is Derek Wills. He's Wes Gilbertson. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up on our Daily Flames Roundtable on this Wednesday. Uh, thanks to Cam and Taylor, our producers this hour. This hour starting to wrap up, and the Daily Flames Roundtable has been brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. The GLC 300 formatic coupe is built for winter. Loyalty lease rate of 3.99% on a 48-month lease. Zero down for $1,099 a month. No payments until 2024.